Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all burden and sin that binds us. May in this place be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, covetousness, stagnancy, ignorance. All of this, let it depart from the tents of your holy people and stand, O Lord, on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness, and may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit, fill us with your Holy Spirit, and allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented by Apostle Arkady in your divine arms, and we ask you to continue to lead it with your high and uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. May you be blessed. Please be seated. The book of Apostle Paul, Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful lusts, to be made new by the spirit of your mind, and to put on the new self created by God in true righteousness and holiness. And so the right to that power to put off our former way of life so that we can clothe our bodies into a new way of life. And today we will be studying the means necessary to be able to clothe ourselves into our new person, which is the armor of prayer. Apostle Arkady that said that the origin of prayer is like the origin of God. As it has always been, this prayer has all prayer has always been present there where God abides. And God, God the Father, the Son and Holy Spirit communicate in the format of prayer. Prayer is the tongue of God, a tool given to us by God, and a legitimate right to communicate with God. This is specifically why the legitimate status of prayer belonged exclusively to those people who were clothed into the legitimate virtue and status of priests, to be able to come into the presence of God, to present His rights and interests demonstrated in His expressed wishes. According to the revelations of Scripture, our prayer, as warriors in prayer, need to be need to consist of ten important components and these are our prayer needs to be with persistence, needs to be with fervency, with diligence, fourth with boldness, fifth it needs to be in fear, sixth with a demonstration of the faith of our heart, seventh with thanksgiving, eighth with joy, ninth in the fear of the Lord, and in the Holy Spirit. And so ten components, and today we will look at them. 
let's immediately look at the first a persistent prayer or continuity in prayer the antonym of persistence in prayer and so antonym is the opposite definition or meaning of the word the antonym of persistence in prayer is unfaithfulness and inconsistency Colossians 4 2 continue earnestly in prayer being vigilant in it with thanksgiving continual is uninterrupted non-quitting faithful eternal unchanging in its tendencies in its habits and in its attachments a continual prayer is a continuous upkeep of God's fire within our spirit or continual relationship with the Holy Spirit that is not interrupted by sin and so continual in prayer is our ability to upkeep the fire of God's spirit in our own spirit to keep or upkeep it we need to understand how a born from God person can receive the fire into his spirit and how can he maintain it because when we're born the fire is not yet lit you need to fulfill specific conditions so that the fire of God would be ignited would be able to be sent by the Lord into our life and now learn how to maintain it so it does not die. The first condition giving God the ability to send down His fire from heaven in the form of the Holy Spirit is a bronze platform five cubits in length, five cubits in width, and three cubits in height. The main conditions that brings down the fire and the platform is something that Solomon had built when he built the temple. Second Chronicles 6:12 through 12 to 13 and 6:12 to 13 and 7 1 through 3. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all of the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands. For Solomon had made a bronze platform 5 cubits long, 5 cubits wide and 3 cubits high and had set it in the midst of the court and he stood on it knelt down on his knees before all of the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands toward heaven. And he, of course, began to pray. When Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple, and the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. When all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord on on the temple, they bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshipped and praised the Lord, saying, For He is good, for His mercy endures forever. And so we needed to see here that this platform, the measurement of the bronze platform, five cubits in length, five cubits in width, and three cubits in height, this first speaks of acknowledging the fivefold ministry in the form of men that are placed by God, and second, acknowledging the authority of the new person over yourself by overthrowing and discrediting your former way of life. This is how the Lord draws down or brings down the fire into our spirit. And we need this platform in our heart our heart needs to be built into an altar of burnt offering 
the platform that Solomon stood upon so that he can uh, perform the prayer and speak to the to the nation and so the measurement of that platform corresponded to the measurements of the altar and the altar would is where they brought the offerings the platform is where he stood and he himself became that offering five cubits wide five cubits long and five and three cubits high he, it corresponded exactly to the measurements of the altar and so again acknowledging the five-fold ministry in the form of men that are placed by God and also acknowledging the authority of the new person over yourself by overthrowing and discrediting your former way of life this is how the fire of God can descend into our life uh, be ignited in our spirit if we received if we have this boldness we need to have we need to honor the order of God within the church if we don't then the fire of God will not be ignited the Lord looks at how we our relationship with the fivefold service and our spirit that needs to be in God's likeness if we forsake the authority that's in our church we forsake our spirit then there's no fire if we pray loudly this this purely emotion and nothing more this is not the fire of the Holy Spirit and so we in our spirit have a fire and now how you how do you upkeep the flames of this fire so that it does not die upkeeping upkeeping the flames of fire of the bronze altar required placing chopped wood upon the altar by the priests the responsibility however to chop this wood for the bronze altar and to carry this wood into the outer courtyard of the temple belonged exclusively to the Gibbonites the Gibbonites chopped the wood but they could not lay this wood upon the altar this is the priest that can do this in our we need to pray for our pastor but he himself will place the wood on the altar you don't need to be bringing in other other teachers or other ideas uh, it's not necessary it's not necessary to place wood upon the altar we in our spirit pray we bless the pastor we thank God for the word he's given him and he himself will place this wood what he when he finds necessary the Gibbonites who chopped wood and carried water for the altar is a symbol of our mind that is renewed by the spirit of our mind the flame of fire of the golden lampstand here's another fire there was the fire upon the bronze altar and also there was a fire uh, in the temple in upon uh, it was the, the golden lampstand that contained a fire as well that was lit and needed to be upkept and if either of them died a person died for God sometimes the lamp dies and even if the lamp dies sometimes a person continues to pray loudly and, and uh, proactively but he has already died for God his, his lamp has already uh, dimmed and died and his offerings are not acceptable it's important how we receive this fire and how we keep it we have the altar of burnt offering in the outer courtyard and we have the lamp in the 
holy place in the temple itself that also needs to be burning and how do we upkeep this lampstand and so the flame of fire of the golden lampstand depended upon the pure oil that was beaten out from from mature olives the right to pour this oil from the vessel into the lamp cups or the branches of the lamp both morning and evening was the job of Aaron the high priest the right to beat the oil from mature olives belonged to the nation of Israel, that is, warriors in prayer. Therefore, to obtain oil for your lamp, it was necessary to purchase it from the seller. These are people who plant the seed of the word of God and who water the seed. And so in what way, how do we make it that the pastor have, has oil so that we can, he can then fill these uh, branches of our lamp? And so the requirement is the nation needed to beat these olives. That means you pay a price by hearing this word, you renew your mind, and you confess it. This is the price you're paying. You're beating these olives. And when the Lord sees you've received the word, we've understood the word, we've renewed our mind, and in prayer we begin to beat this word of God from these olives. Then he gives new revelations to the pastor so that he can then pass it on to us so that we can, again, receive it, again, renew our mind with it, and again begin to confess this word, continue to beat these fresh olives. A revelation that God gives to our Apostle depends on us. And this is a great compliment from our side because the revelations that he has received at the door of our hope, it's not, he didn't just give it to him because our pastor is great. He is great. He's wonderful. And he has given this truth, but why did he not give this truth to us uh, uh, some time back when we still had these weeds among us that left? Because the church wasn't ready. There are people who in the church are receiving the word, renewing their mind with the word, proclaiming that word, and that's why God gave him this truth and continues to give uh, him more revelations and truth. We also need need to have fervency in prayer. Second Chronicles 15:15, 15, 15, and all Judah rejoiced at the oath, for they had sworn with all their heart and sought him with all their soul. And he was found by them, and the Lord gave them rest all around. And so what is fervency? Fervency is a great desire or a great hunger and thirst to find God or to know God. The antonym of fervency is resistance. What is a fervent prayer? A fervent prayer, according to Scripture, is a fervent obedience to the voice of the Lord spoken by His messengers. How does it begin, this fervent prayer? Listening and obeying that word. Zechariah 6.15 Then you shall know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you, and this shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God. And so fervency is in obeying the word of God. A fervent prayer, according to God, is an offering that is brought by a prince voluntarily, which is comparable to the offering of the seventh day. Ezekiel 46, 12. 
Now when the prince makes a voluntary or fervent burnt offering or voluntary peace offering to the Lord, the gate that faces toward the east shall then be opened to him, and he shall prepare his burnt offering and his peace offering as he did on the Sabbath day. Then he shall go out, and after he goes out, the out the gate shall then be shut. This means that the prince can only uh, come in the middle of the week, not on, on the uh, Saturday or Sabbath. The prince, and this wasn't just anyone, it had to be a prince. If it was a simple man, uh, uh, a common man, they would not have opened up these gates. And so when all of us, all of our essence come to comes to worship, uh, God considers us a Sabbath then, right? Today we are in the Sabbath. On Sunday when we have a church uh, service as well, this will be a Sabbath. On Tuesday, there's is also a Sabbath. And so those who come on Tuesdays, they especially are demonstrating that they come with this fervency. We're talking about the second quality. A fervent prayer includes a proper or legitimate relationship with your church. Hebrews 10.25 Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but extorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching. People who forsake the church not for uh, truly excusable reasons. Uh, it could be at work or something that got, gets in the way. These are acceptable. A person got became ill. These are acceptable, excusable uh, reasons. But when a person forsakes it just out of habit, and they don't they don't just care to 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 come or or to be in it within the service at the time. A fervent prayer without a fervent offering to God clothed into the format of a tithe is a counterfeit and fraudulent form of fervency. Second Corinthians 9, 7 So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And so this commandment is God's will, which we need to follow. A fervent prayer is an offering of thanksgiving where a person by faith sees his deliverance from all of his troubles. Psalm 54, 6, 7. I will freely sacrifice to you and will praise your name, O Lord, for it is good. For he has delivered me out of all trouble and my eyes has, my eyes have seen its desire upon the enemies. And so, victory over our enemies and all of our troubles is fervency, a great hunger and a great thirst to know God and for God. Diligence, third requirement and this fervency needs to be continual of course you today you have a hunger or thirst and tomorrow this uh, feeling may leave you and so when this feeling leaves you or this desire leaves you then you need to apply diligence diligence and prayer diligence diligence and prayer is effort that is born from Effort that is born from diligence, where a person uses all of the available to him strength and means to achieve his prayer goals that are placed for him by God. The antonym of diligence is carelessness and laziness. 
In scripture, the identification of diligence is demonstrated in, in a prayer battle where a person collaborates with God and overcomes obstacles or barriers. Hosea 12.4 Yes, he struggled with the angel and prevailed. It's talking about Jacob. He wept and sought favor from him. He found him in Bethel, and there he spoke to us. Here, diligence is required. The presence of diligence demonstrated in a prayer battle is something we also find with the Son of God when he was in the Gethsemane Garden. Luke 22, 42-44 Saying, Father, Jesus is saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. This is a great labor of Prayer is a great labor where you involve every part of yourself, your spirit, soul, and body. Diligence and prayer, adjoint with the abilities of the mind, will, and emotions of man, and the complete involvement of the spirit, soul, and body, applying pressure on the flesh, the world, and demons, with the purpose of forcibly removing them from the area of our calling, which belongs to us by right, but is under their control. And so without diligence, we will not be able to forcibly remove from, uh, from ourselves the world, the flesh, demons, without the element of, dil- of dil- uh, diligence. You just want to pray once and have it all all leave. But unfortunately, this is not sometimes so simple. It's like our character doesn't quickly leave sometimes, or, or our nation, or the house of my father. My personal desires, they don't quickly... Uh, go away as soon as I proclaim it. Demons will if a person has the authority and he says in the name of Jesus Christ they do follow the law and they leave. But if we say in the name of Jesus Christ love for this world come out from me it won't go out so quickly or so easily. love for cigarettes, love for any other kinds of dependence, whatever it may be. It's not so simply, uh, you can't be rid of it that so simply. It's a, qual- a, a Because it's an element of our character, genetically that has been passed on to us and it's rooted in us. And it needs to be, uh, using this diligence, it needs to be forcibly removed. Diligence in prayer gives God the right or ability to respond to our prayer. Acts 12, 5, 7. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison, and he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly, and his chains fell off of his hands. Why? Because the church was praying for him diligently. Diligence in prayer gives man the ability to rule over his enemies. Proverbs 12, 24. 
the hand of the diligent will rule, but the lazy man will be put to forced labor. Diligence in prayer gives man the ability to rule within the temple of his body over all of the powers of his soul. 1 Chronicles 26, 6-8 Also to Shemaiah, his son, were, his son were sons born who governed their father's houses. They and their sons and their brethren, able men with strength for the work. We need to have these kinds of priests, sons of Shemaiah, who would be able to be diligent and able uh, to work, able men with strength for the work, whether it be the usher or a musician or a singer. This quality of diligence needs to uh, needs to remain and be there. And finally, diligence in prayer gives man the ability to have precious possessions. Proverbs 12.27 Diligence is man's precious possession. And this precious possession is that promise that speaks of the adoption of our body. And without the quality of diligence, you won't be able to bring this promise about within yourself because the precious possession this possession is precious. It has the. It contains all of the most precious pr- uh, promises in it. The next <clears throat> requirement in prayer is boldness. Boldness in prayer is the presence of the legitimate right to possess that which we ask of God in hi- in our heart. Hebrews four sixteen. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so you can't go to the throne of grace without boldness, which means this is a very important characteristic. The antonym of boldness is audacity, neglect, and self-will. What is boldness? It has a very rich Uh, a very rich list of meanings. Boldness is sincerity or honesty as well as directness in your relationship with God, courage and confidence in hope upon God, strong confidence in God and His Word, testimony of acknowledgement and respect for God. Boldness is the obedience of our faith to the faith of God. Boldness is a demonstration and revelation of righteousness obtained in redemption, This is the right founded upon righteousness obtained in the blood of Jesus, together with the right obtained in the truth of the cross of Christ. Boldness is the energy of a person cleansed by the fire of the Holy Spirit from the chaff of the flesh. Boldness is holiness demonstrated in the work of righteousness. According to the definition in Scripture, the identification of the essence and purpose of the word boldness is directly linked to the quality of our faith, our trust, and our hope obtained in the service of the New Testament, which is the service of justification. Boldness in prayer is a confident strive to possess what we ask of God, founded upon the blood of the cross of Christ. Hebrews 10, 19-23 Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us, 
through the veil that is his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And so we see here specific uh, statements which we need to remember and understand the meaning of. First, it speaks of being able to enter the holiest into the presence of God. To be able to enter into God's presence, you need to have boldness. To enter the holiest is the legitimate right founded upon counting the blood of the covenant holy, where our conscience is cleansed from dead works. Without a cleansed conscience from dead works, we don't have the legitimate right to come into God's presence because the legitimate right is that not is when he sees that he has cleansed us but it is specifically our conscience that is cleansed from dead works and these dead works are not alcohol or cigarettes or other forms of sin this is evangelism this is rebuking of demons rebuking demons in the name of Jesus Christ as that we saw in scripture where they attempted to use the name of Jesus to rebuke demons but the demons saw what the dead works were and they saw how this person is trying to evangelize or this person is trying to rebuke demons not having their the right to do so and so having our conscience again cleansed from dead works religious works and these religious works are the inspiration and initi- and the initiator of them is our flesh and not the spirit. Our conscience is cleansed from dead religious works. A sincere heart is an, another element of boldness. It implies fairness and sincerity of a man's motives where a person pursues God's will and not his own personal will. I again present God's will, not my own will. Sometimes you'll say, I swear, I say this honestly before God. Because when you say anything that you're speaking this in the name of God or before God, uh, using God's name, that means you're, you're stating His will. And so sometimes a person can uh, hear conversation. They only heard a little part of it and heard that little part. They then pass on this information to other people, not understanding the entire um, uh, conversation or what it really was about. And so they heard a very a small part and b- decided to pass on information that they uh, perceived wrong instead of knowing what they were actually talking about. We also need to have a full assurance of faith, which is another element of boldness. It implies an absolute obedience of our faith to the faith of God, which we receive by listening to the preached word. 
A full assurance of faith is a person who demonstrates obedience. And also we need a, our bodies washed with pure water as an element of boldness. And it implies cleansing our motives from foreign inclusions of the flesh and various foreign teachings which do not correspond to the demands of the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh. We need to continuously wash ourselves. Uh, the priests, when they entered the temple, the first thing they did, they fully undressed. And they didn't need to be uh, embarrassed because the temple only had con- contained men. The only men served inside. <clears throat> And, of course, this is all symbolic. Uh, and even if it's a woman in a skirt, but she's proclaiming the word of God, she is fulfilling the role of, of, of the male role in this form symbolically. <clears throat> a man symbolically is, again, the one proclaiming the word of God. Just like Mary, uh, the Virgin Mary, she said, may it be according to your word. We need to wash our bodies with pure water, wash ourselves from the foreign inclusions of the flesh. Priests did this, and we do this every time we come into God's presence. We wash ourselves with the word of God. We hear this word of God because we need to wash ourselves with it. Boldness in prayer provides uh, provides good standing in Christ Jesus for the one who serves well. 1 Timothy 3.13 For those who have served well as deacons obtained for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith which is in Jesus Christ. Boldness in prayer is an identification of not what we feel, but rather what we know. Not what is in the area of our feelings, but what is in the area of our knowledge and the faith of our heart. Ephesians 3.12 In whom we have boldness and access with confidence though faith through faith in him. And faith says, I know. Not what I feel, but what I know. As we hear today, uh, you'll hear preachers say, I had so much faith, I had so much faith, I had so many feelings just to proclaim something. <clears throat> And so faith is not feelings, faith is knowing the word of God. And this is true boldness. Feelings are not boldness. True energy and the fire of the Holy Spirit is in knowledge of the word of God. And boldness, finally, speaking of boldness, boldness in prayer is being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord when looking upon the glory of the Lord. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech, unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. 2 Corinthians 3.12-18. Great boldness is only when we look in the mirror. When you look in a mirror, what do you see? You see yourself, 
Someone needed to put the revelation into our heart by the preached word. And so we see this then word in ourselves and, and see then ourselves in that mirror. That's part of the of the of the role of the anointed of God to allow us to look our, uh, teach us how to look in a mirror and be able to see this word in ourselves when we look at ourselves and we not see ourselves we actually see Jesus Christ a very important uh, a role they also play the next is reverence or fear in prayer <clears throat> fear in prayer is a demonstration of love. It's a holy trembling, fear, and awe founded upon what God has done for us and what, who He is for us. The antonym of fear is disregard and hatred. Fear in prayer is a demonstration of love for God and His holy name. Nehemiah 1.11 O Lord, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name. According to the place of Scripture, servants that come into God's presence, the servants of the Lord that come into God, in, before God's face, they love and they revere before Him. And so not having this reverence or this love for God, we do not have love. Uh, if we don't have this reverence or, or, or this fear, then we do not have love for God. It's written in 1 Corinthians 16.22, If anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, anathema, which is, let him be accursed, and maranatha, O Lord, come. <clears throat> and so how can I identify my fear or my reverence? An absence for love for God's name is an absence of love for his truth, which a person receives in the preached word. Second Thessalonians 2, 7 through 12. Because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. That means because they did not receive the love of the truth, that means because they have not loved my truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusions that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. <clears throat> and again, he says here, may be condemned. Anathema and Maranatha. And so he said first, the one that does not love the Lord is anathema, and who does not love the preached word will be conde condemned. And so reverence before God or a fear before God is how we react to God's preached word. <clears throat> Jesus spoke to the disciples saying, this is a tree that my father has not planted. And if you remember, all of the people listening to him left when they didn't like what he had said. And the disciples came and said, uh, they didn't like what, what they heard and so and Jesus asked do you also want to leave <clears throat> and they said no you have the words of eternal life and this pretty much demonstrated the fact that they loved the word of God and because he said this Jesus said blessed are you Peter 
Jesus always drew the people to love his word, the nation the nation listened to the word. The Pharisees were looking for ways to trick him and, and they weren't interested in learning or paying attention to the word. Fear and prayer is a revelation of the word of God in the atmosphere of a small quiet wind. Job 4.12-17 Now a word was secretly brought to me and my ear received a whisper of it in disquieting thoughts from vision of the night when deep sleep falls on men fear came upon me and trembling which made all my bones shake then a spirit passed before my face the hair on my body stood up it stood still but I could not discern its appearance a form was before my eyes there was silence then I heard a voice saying can a mortal be more righteous than God than a man be can a man be more pure than his maker and so where it says there's a silence, this was this quiet wind. And so when we hear the word of God, what kind of reaction do we have? What kind of reaction? He says that his hair stood up and he did not, he was not able to identify how he, he looked. He could not discern his appearance. And so the Lord says, and the Lord, and so the Lord uh, often did, if you know, uh, if you look in scripture, he often did approach people or he would visit and provide a message or bring his message to someone using the voice or the method in which his messenger teaches using their voice or in the way that they would they pass it on and this uh, definitely identifies the fact that uh, he acknowledges the authority that he's placed over you And so sometimes if you feel like you get your own revelations, you need to wait it out and uh, see where this, where this is from and what it is instead of immediately reacting to something because uh, you need to be assured that this is coming from the Lord. Uh, if you remember a Samuel, uh, <clears throat> when the Lord was, fa- was calling, uh, when the Lord was calling him and he was saying Samuel and he was hearing the voice of the priest and he he continually kept coming back to him saying uh, is it you that is calling me but it was the Lord that was calling him and he said next time he calls you respond to him and so today we obviously we hear this voice and we read it in his in his his uh, written word as well in his in his notes Acts 16, 25 through 26. 
But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosened. And so this fear in the Lord is a proclamation with your mouth, the revelations of the Word of God, which promote this uh, earthquake within uh, uh, and, and then break our chains. The next thing we will look at is demonstrating the faith of our, of our heart. And so the sixth component of being a warrior in prayer is demonstrating this faith. The antonym of the faith of God is unbelief, disregard, and resistance to the faith of God, as it is written. Second Chronicles 36, 15, 16. And the Lord God of their father sent warnings to them by his messengers, rising up early and sending them, but because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they mocked the messengers of God, despised his words. And the wrath of the Lord came down upon them. So there was no salvation. And so the antonym again is unbelief, disregard, and resistance to God's faith. <clears throat> now let's look at the synonym of the word faith. Mark 11, 22, 23, have faith in God. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his, in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. The key of this phrase, when it says, have the faith of God, it's not as an advice, uh, some advice that's been given to you, or an alternative that you can choose. This is as a military command that is given to you that you need to follow. And so our faith, being obedient to God's faith, we then follow the Lord's will. And so how is our warrior, our soldier, our faith, how does he collaborate with the general? And so God's faith, as the word of God coming from God's mouth, is the essence of God himself. Deuteronomy 7, 9. Therefore know that the Lord your God, He is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love Him and keep His commandments. God's faith is the essence of God Himself. God is faithful. It's faithful in His Word. And second, the faith of God, as the Word of God coming from His mouth, is the absolute truth. John seventeen seventeen sanctified them by your by your truth your word is truth John seventeen seventeen the characteristic of God faith his truth is faithful and he gives it to us from his mouth and when he speaks with his mouth then he as also demonstrating faithfulness. He's faithful to the word that he, he speaks. But when we hear other lips speaking, the lips of hell, there will not be any faithfulness there. Some things may occur, which is why today there are uh, extra senses or whatever you call them today, uh, witches, 
uh, and, and so a lot of these occult things, things that draw people to occult, the Slavic people likes the, like, tend to like uh, being drawn to these things as well as African uh, people and others as well. And we need to be very careful of that. Our faith is receiving and obeying the information of the seed of the word. This is our faith. Receiving and obeying the information of the seed of the word. Hebrews 4.2 the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. And so we need to mix the faith of God with our faith by obeying that information, the word that we hear. Our faith is a carrier of the seed of information in specific situations, circumstances, he is the carrier of information, our faith. Matthew twelve thirty seven. For by your words you will be justified, and by your word, words you will be condemned. And so again, with this word, we justify ourselves. With these words, we condemn ourselves. And so this happens, typically, we condemn ourselves by speaking idle words, words that were not mixed with our faith. Uh, the word, the truth that we did not mix with our faith. If we have oils and we have pigments, different types of uh, colors, uh, if you mix them together uh, so that you can then paint, but if we don't mix them, you will not be able to create a work of art. But if a person does not use uh, or does not mix God's faith with his own, he rejects that, then he will be condemning himself with his own words that he proclaims. And so again, what's God's faith and what is our faith? And so who does the Lord speak with and fr and through and how do we receive it do we mix it with our own faith, his faith? And do we proclaim then who we are in Jesus Christ? The next quality is thanksgiving in prayer. Thanksgiving in prayer is a demonstration of a thankful heart before God. The antonym of thanksgiving in prayer is being ungrateful or unthankful and hard-hearted. The essence of and nature of thanksgiving in prayer is praise in worship. And it includes listing the names and titles of God, listing the works God has done, thanking God for the work that he has done, boasting about God, staying and not abandoning your place, being faithful to your calling. Thanksgiving is studying and performing the desires of God. And thanksgiving is trust in God and reliance upon God. <clears throat> this is a thankful heart. And all of the definitions that it includes. The thanksgiving of a person in prayer, demonstrated in his praise, is the atmosphere, climate, and midst in which God abides, where God demonstrates himself, <clears throat> and where he becomes a fortress and shield of our hope and our salvation. Psalm 22, 3-5 through 5. 
but you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and were delivered. They trusted in you and were not ashamed. The essence and nature of thanksgiving and prayer is identified by the absence of filthiness, foolish talking, and coarse jesting. And so in prayer we say thank you for this and this and this and this. Ephesians 5.4 Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. According to this place of scripture we see that filthiness, foolish talking, and coarse jesting are unfitting with thanksgiving. What does it mean, filthiness? And so when we're talking about foolish talking specifically, this is having a blemished joy within yourself. It's a joy that is not pure. Uh, when we're talking about foolish talking, this is a, a blemished or a a joy that is compromised. And when we're talking about filthiness, filthiness is confessing the word which is not in our heart. And then when we're talking about coarse jesting, that means adding or taking away from God's word. And so mainly all uh, profanity There are usually a couple of words combined or a specific word. And so when a person takes away from the taking uh, away from the, his word, this truth by perverting it or adding his own understandings, interpretations, we add to what the truth is, then we again uh, peddle with it. We damage then what is being said. Imagine the responsibility. It, God prepared people for 30 years before they were able to enter the temple because you didn't, they needed to confess the word of God and they needed to understand and can be convinced that the word that they were speaking, they were proclaiming, was being mixed with their own faith, that they were not partaking in this uh, filthiness, foolish talking, and coarse jesting so that we do not have this uh, blemished uh, format of joy within ourselves, We don't confess the word that is not in our heart, and we do not add or take away from God's word. The essence and nature of <clears throat> thanksgiving and prayer is a nature of offering, which is called to draw God's favor upon us. Leviticus 22, 29, 30. And when you offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving to the Lord, offer it of your own free will on the same day it shall be eaten you shall leave none of it until morning i am the lord next is joy in prayer the antonym of joy is sorrow or despair proverbs 17:22. a merry heart does good like medicine but a broken spirit dries the bones apostle uh judah 
or Jude, uh, spoke of this quality of joy, in spe- and he considered a, a great rank uh, to have this joy. Jude 124, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Supernatural joy is a discipline of the mind and heart, which does perform uh, create peace in the heart of man, and also <clears throat> balances, controls, and leads uh, the feelings. And supernatural joy does not depend on anything happening on earth or circumstances that may be on, uh, going on on earth. Earth, it is stable, is continual, it is unchanging, and it absolutely does not depend on on circumstances on earth. Second Corinthians eight two. <clears throat> that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the rich riches of their liberality. Second Corinthians seven four. I am filled with comfort. I am exceedingly joyful in all of our tribulations. And so, supernatural joy absolutely has nothing to do with our lives, uh, losses, or su- or or any form of suffering that. Um, that we may be experiencing. It doesn't depend on that. The element that identifies the wellspring of upright joy in the heart of man is God himself. He's the spring of our joy. Psalm 43, 4, 5, Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and on the harp I will praise you, O God, my God. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. And so, Considering the fact that God is joy and gladness, the place where God abides will also be the place of joy and gladness. First Chronicles 16.27 Honor and majesty are before him, strength and gladness are in his place. The holy place where the majesty and gladness abide are three unique realms that are knitly linked together. They're tightly <clears throat> linked together. The heights of the heavens, this is the sanctuary, the chosen by God remnant, joy needs to be, and also the humble and contrite heart of a man. The next element identifying the wellspring of upright joy in the heart of man is clothing ourselves into the resurrection of Christ, that is, into our new person. This was also the spring of joy. And people who do not have this promise in their heart, can they have this upright joy in them? Psalm 34, 5, Sing praise to the Lord, you saints of His, and give thanks at the remembrance of His holy name. For His anger is but for a moment, His favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Psalm 34, 5. And so when we begin to confess the faith of our heart, uh, the works of God that he has done in the days of old, God then receives the ability to put the morning of his joy into our heart so that he can then clothe us into this uh, joyful morning, which is the resurrection of Christ that is, into our new person. And so it's necessary that the Lord put the morning of His joy into our heart so that He can clothe then our bodies into this joy.
And so people who want to be raptured before the morning star, we need to have then this upright joy. And this joy is in all three realms, heights of the heavens, in the sanctuary, and in our heart that trembles before his word, the upright joy of God. Not filthy speaking or coarse jesting. <clears throat> because these are things that uh, offend God. And uh, they, these things offend God greatly. When in the presence of the word of God, we mock and laugh and and, and maybe speak a dirty anecdotal uh, phrases things like that, and this offends God. Prayer made in the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord, the antonym, is the fear of man. According to the statements of Scripture, a person who has known and has been filled with the fear of the Lord is freed from all forms of fear as it is written 1 John 4:18 There is no fear in love but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment but he who fears has not been made perfect in love The fear of the Lord is one of the names of God which God uses to defend his own Genesis 31:42 Unless the God of my father the God of Abraham and the fear of Isaac had been with me surely now you would have Jacob saying saying to Laban now you would have sent me away empty-handed God has seen my affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked you last night He speaks of the fact that Jacob is stating that he has uh, the fear of Isaac Fear is passed on not just genetically uh, by the sinful line of our fathers, but the fear of the Lord needs to be passed on to us from the person who represents uh, God's messenger. How important that the person that we listen to, the service we're in, that he have the fear of Isaac. And so one of the things that I've noticed the entire time I've been here in our pastors, how to love and fear the Lord. Because you meet people that as if love God, they do a lot of things for God, works. But this quality of fear, uh, having fear, the fear of the Lord, <clears throat> and tremble before his words. A fear to offend the church and actually a desire instead to help the people. This is a great uh, thing to have. Jacob says, if I, had, if I have not had the God of Abraham and the fear of Isaac. And so also fears that uh, are passed on to us, uh, they are passed on to us from the sinful life of, of our fathers. 
fear uh, before other men or circumstances or whatever else that may be. This is a genetic uh, curse that's passed on. The fear of the Lord flows from the wellspring of the wisdom of God. Psalm 111.10 The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do His commandments. His praise endures forever. The fear of the Lord consisting in the wisdom of, of the Lord is pure. Psalm 19.9 The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The fear of the Lord in the heart of those who fear God is, an, is a wellspring of eternal life, uh, keeping them away from the from the snares of death. Proverbs 14.27 The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to turn one away from the snares of death. And so a person who has the fear of the Lord can't be killed. He either uh, will agree to die himself or the Lord will take him. Of course, we will never desire death for ourselves. Our life it depends on God, and we don't call death, we, we drive it away, so we can represent the interests of God and His will. We have the fear of the Lord, we have the wellspring of life, and we drive away death. It turns one away from the snares of death. The fear of the Lord, in the heart of one who fears God, clothes him into hatred, Close a person into hatred toward evil and those who carry this evil. And so one again, the fear of the Lord in the heart of those who fear God close a person into hatred toward evil and those who carry it. Psalm 8.13, the fear of the Lord is, the, is to hate evil. The fear of the Lord also is called to lead those who fear the Lord into the inheritance of the covenant of the Lord. Psalm 111.5, he has given food to those who fear him. He will ever be mindful of his covenant. He has declared to his people the power of his works in giving them the heritage of the nations. And so the Lord says, if we will have the fear of the Lord, then the Lord will give to us the heritage of the Gentiles, be able to rule over our feelings, our emotions, <clears throat> and their inheritance will become our own. It once was the land of Canaan because the Canaanites lived there, and now it's the nation of Israel. And we thank God that our body is uh, as the nation of Israel today, as the land of Israel, a warrior in prayer, and the inheritance of the heritage of the nations has become ours. And finally, prayer made in the Holy Spirit And so we need to pray again in the Holy Spirit. The antonym of the Holy Spirit is the spirit of man. You'll say, well, how is this? What, do we have the spirit of Antichrist? No. The antonym of the Holy Spirit is not the, 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 the one who resists. Uh, the Holy Spirit is, is not the, the spirit of Satan, but our spirit not cleansed. In, a, in the conscience from dead works, which is uh, supported by the organized powers of darkness. Again, the antonym of the Holy Spirit is our heart, our conscience, not cleansed from dead works. 
being supported by organized powers of darkness. The reason for such a, an elaborate definition is that a spirit of a person not cleansed from in his conscience from dead works is one who resists the Holy Spirit. So God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. John 4, 24, 23. And so to worship in your spirit through the truth, confessing the faith of your heart. Let's look at worshiping in spirit and worshiping in truth. And so if we need to worship in spirit and in truth, first, what does it mean to worship in spirit? This is the state of our heart where our conscience is cleansed from dead works by the circumcision of Christ, where we have died for our nation, the house of our Father, and for the destructive desires. This is what it means to worship in spirit. Prepare your heart to receive the word. Worshiping in truth is the result of knowing the elementary teaching of Christ that is written upon the tablets of our heart, giving us the ability to abide in the Holy Spirit and worship in the Holy Spirit so that we can present in our worship God's will and tremble before his truth, before the preach to us word of God. This is worshiping in truth. Worshiping in spirit is our conscience cleansed from dead works. It's ready to receive the word of God. I receive the word of God and worshiping in truth. I receive this undamaged word of God and I begin to confess this undamaged word. And right now we will pray and we will thank God for the mercy that we have. This is what warriors in prayer need to have. And we have about 20 minutes. Let us proclaim a couple of places of scripture together first in the temple of God where the atmosphere of the Holy Spirit is. I'll proclaim, repeat after me. And we will also pray in tongues. This is very important when we gather that we have one we were unified in what in our proclamation, not just individually praying. <clears throat> or just uh, praying in tongues and trying to not be distracted. A common prayer or prayer praying together <clears throat> when we proclaim the same word of God together. <clears throat> and so we will also pray in tongues and we will pray united. And so instead of just, uh, again, all of us individually praying separately, we will proclaim the word of God together. So that we can be clothed into it. Please repeat after me. May the Lord hear me in the day of sorrow. May he protect me, the name of the God of Jacob. May he send his help from his temple, from Zion 
May he support me. May he remember all of my offerings and my burnt offerings. May they be accepted. May he give me according to my heart and my intentions. May they be fulfilled. We shall rejoice about our salvation. And in the name of our God, we will raise our banner. May the Lord satisfy all of our requests. I have known that the Lord saves his anointed one. He responds from his holy heavens. With his might, he saves. With his strong arm. Some with chariots, some with horses. But we, with the name of our Lord, we did not stumble or fall. We stand strong. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus for our pastor Arkady so that you open the door for the word so you can reveal to him mysteries of heaven so that he may reveal them as he needs to. May it be revealed to him as the dawn, your light, your heal, his healing, and may it come quickly and his righteousness will come before him and the glory of the Lord will accompany him. May the Son of Righteousness come forth and healing in its rays. You give the weak strength and you give them support. Those who trust in the Lord will be renewed in strength. They shall lift up their wings as an eagle and will go and will not become tired or weary. You stretch out your hand for healing and you do this with your signs and your miracles in the name of your Holy Son, Jesus Christ. We pray, let's pray now in tongues. Let us pray in about five minutes in tongues. Uh, and may what we've just proclaimed become the possession of our heart.
Lord, glory, we thank you. Let's proclaim together. May he give according to his glory to be strong in the inner man. By faith, may Jesus be within our hearts so that we be rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height and to comprehend the knowledge, the love of Christ so that we may be filled with all of the fullness of God when the corrupt will be incorrupt and the mortal will be immortal then it will come this word that has been written death will be swallowed up by victory death where is your victory thanks to God who has given us victory our Lord Jesus Christ I make the decision today to put away all uncleanness and all kinds of evil so that I can in humility receive all the truth that can save my soul I reject all that is evil I choose the good may all burden be removed from me and sin that binds us I reject all gods that may be present in the formal way of life so that I can serve the one and only God I die for my former way of life and I become free from those works of the law of Moses that bind me I take my cross and I follow the finisher of my faith I hate the world or what's in the world the one who loves the world that has not does not have love because what is in the world is the lust of the eyes lust of the flesh and the pride of life the world passes by and its lusts but the one who fulfills the will of God abides forever let us pray in tongues Let's confess together, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you for the right to be clothed into the garments of salvation, into the linen and the robes that are bright and are linen, into the image of the bride, into these matrimonial garments, and have the image of Yahweh of hosts. We thank you, Lord, that Jesus Christ abides in us, for there is no condemnation for those that are in Jesus Christ. Because the law of the, seer, of the spirit of life in Jesus Christ has delivered me from the law of sin and death. We thank you that all of the promises of God are in him yes and in him amen to the glory of God through his apostles. The peace of God which is above all will guard our hearts and our minds in Jesus Christ. I can live in poverty. I can live in abundance. I have learned all and all to be 
content, I can overcome hunger and have insufficiency, but I can do all in Jesus Christ. Let's pray in tongues. Let's proclaim together. Thank you, Father, for the abiding of Christ in us. I, with my soul, strive for you by night, and with my spirit I search in my inner self from the morning how great is your might in us, those who believe, and the strength that you have. I keep this promise by the Holy Spirit who lives in me. I am bound by the Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of my inheritance for the redemption that you have given. I know in whom I have believed and I am confident that he is faithful to give me what is guaranteed in the day that comes. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray for the kings and all leaders. May we live a life that is quiet and peaceful in all godliness and goodness, for this is good for your people. It is good for our Savior and our God, who wants that all people be saved and would be able to achieve and know the truth. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our prayer needs to contain three things, our spirit, soul, and body. And this is a diligent prayer. People try to put forth effort just with their mind. A diligent prayer is when our spirit, soul, and body are participating. And our sweat may drip as blood from our pores. When we come to our prayer service, we need to come, be able to come or leave this place tired. And so this was just an experience, a little bit of what we'll need to be doing on Fridays. The We need to proclaim the Word of God together. It's very important. Let us finish with our unchanging manifestation. Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of 
of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and forever. Amen.